Hello and welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode number 67. My name is James Noka. I'm here with Kyle Versteg, and we are going to be talking knives today on this mm-hmm. wonderful January day. Yep. Just before Super Bowl Sunday, or wait, do I call it Stupid Bowl Sunday? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a big fan of the waste of the time called NFL. But yeah, I don't have time for it. I don't either. It's... It's to me. It's a. It seems like it's a distraction. But anyway, so what you been doing with yourself? Oh, just got back from the gym. Did a little working out. Yeah. Yeah. So the so the uh, so the hipster doofus kind of got you build a fire on you, huh? Oh, I've always gone to the gym, but now that somebody's called me a shitlord for going to the gym, I'm going to own that title and and pretty much tell you whenever I go, <laughs> just to rub it in that uh, you know. I'm that's, out there doing what you disapprove of. That's funny. That's right. that's freaking funny. So how are you, you got any new tricks with your uh, your Balasong trainer? Uh yeah, I can do a index finger rollover, a thumb rollover, and a couple other things. Those are the main stuff. I did get a, a Benchmade 51. Ooh, nice. Yeah, it's nice. Um, it's a lot lighter than the trainer, and it's a little bit more difficult for me to flip it because um, I, I don't have the tricks mastered well enough on the trainer for them to be, uh, for Use me to have, yeah, to have the finesse to do it on a lighter knife. Is it lighter or is it a live blade? Yeah, it, it definitely is. I, I got, I have like a few little cuts from it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you have to, going from that trainer to something that's lighter um, requires a level of finesse that I don't think I'm quite ready for yet so at least on the where I get cut is on the index rollover and on the um, on the thumb rollover especially specifically on the index rollover because when you do that um, when it comes back around you're at risk of uh, catching your finger on the live side of the blade mm-hmm um, and that's so, what's happened a couple times yeah well, three times. It's not a big deal. They're just they're just teeny tiny little cuts. It's just you know right away that you're not at the level, not where you should be with that trick. Um, but kind of my point is, is uh, you would never get you would never get the same amount of reps doing it on a live blade from the beginning as you do on a trainer. So, in my opinion, even though I have to develop more finesse uh, to do it on a live blade. Um, or at least a lighter live blade, I get more repetitions of the same task because I'm not putting down the knife because I cut the crap out of my finger again, you know, <laughs> one of those things. So I, you know, there's, there's kind of debate on the Jersey Devil forums as to whether or not you should use a trainer, and it seems like it's about 50-50 where they come down. And in my opinion... For a beginner, you should probably either use a trainer or just t- put tape on the on a live blade. Well, why couldn't you just grind off the edge? Well, you could, but then you'd kind of be wrecking your knife. 
Um, you know, I kind of want to just keep it, keep it nice and sharp. I mean, to me, I would think you'd buy the same knife twice and then just take one of them and dull the edge of it and then keep the other, you know, and use one as a trainer and the other one is not. Well, you could do that or you could just put tape on the blade. Um, yeah, but doesn't that, that changes the weight quite a bit. Mm, not, 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 I mean, I guess it, if you're going to use like some huge heavy tape or something, maybe, but, but, um, I don't think it changes it that much. I, that's, that's the, the, you know, when they have, um, typically when they're talking about ways to learn a new trick without getting all cut up, they mention taping the blade or using a trainer either way. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Well, cool. Well, um, my, uh, got a phone call the other day from, uh, my sister's or my daughter's fiance. Uh-huh. Talking about, uh, he wants to trap a beaver so he can make a beaver hat. Cause I guess it takes one, <clears throat> one beaver to make a beaver hat. Right. Which I, I didn't know that, but. How many times do you have to slaughter Justin Bieber to make a beaver hat? <laughs> I don't know if I'd want a beaver hat. <laughs> I don't even like beaver in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. I was trying to do the pun thing there for yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Play on Anyways, words. Yeah, Bieber earmuffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling anyway, dorky today. Anyway, he uh, um, was working with this old curmudgeon trapper, which, you know, those guys are old curmudgeon trappers because they, I mean, they're, 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 they're not real good around people because, you know, they're trappers. They hate people. So, so, um, he, uh, gets a, um, uh, coyote and proceeds to skin it out. And this guy's kind of showing him how to do it. You know, he's an old school, uh, old school trapper. He's like 70 some odd years old. He's trapped in Alaska. He's trapped, he's trapped his whole life. That's what he's done for a living his whole life. So, um, of course, there's a proper way to skin a coyote, you know, so you got to skin it so that the, um, you could take it and put it on. Is that for me? Is that? Oh, yeah, that. that's not in my house. Anyways, he, um, there's some kind of funky noise. He, uh, takes a, uh, you got, I mean, I guess the way he feels you need to skin a coyote is you have to have it so that it could be taxidermy mounted. <clears throat> so that means the pads have to be on the, on the hide, the eyebrows or the eyelashes have to be on the the eyelids, the whole smear. So so Ben does it, you know. He uses the guy's knife, and he's got this old shred um, muskrat knife. So he calls me up, and he's telling me about this muskrat knife, like I didn't know what it was. And uh, and I said, well, sure, I know exactly what those are. And uh, and so I said, I I have a couple of them. And I said, but it's kind of funny that they would choose that knife instead of a, instead of like a, a trapper knife, mm -hmm. you know, because I think they're both actually, the, you know, the trapper gives you another blade for, uh, for fleshing out a, a hide, mm -hmm. and as opposed to the muskrat that has two, two uh, uh, caping style blades, and, uh, but anyways, I, I 
was kind of funny to hear him talking to tell me all about this old old timers trapper or uh, old timers muskrat knife and he had it sharpened down to like little bitty nubs and you know it's probably he said it's probably 40 years old this mm-hmm. knife that he had you know and so he was kind of after a new one like that and i said well you don't want a straight old timer because that's probably going to be a chinese knife now Hmm. Yeah, you that's know? true. And and uh, you're probably not going to get the kind of life that this guy's got out of his. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I I just even if even if it's a better project, even if they make it out of some like super steel, do I need to be giving my money to freaking Chinese collectivists? No, exactly. I don't think so. I I don't need to be doing that. So you know, we were talking about that in the hardware store this morning. I said. Uh, we are talking about good pocket knives, and, and the guy that owns the store says, you know, it's funny. He says, people walk in here, and I can't, I can't, they don't want a good knife. They want a cheap knife. He said, they, he said, they don't mind buying these $7 Chinese pieces of junk. And I said, I don't know where that mentality came from, because it sure as hell is not in my vocabulary. You know, I, I want something that, that, that feels good when I use it. You know, I, and it's like... Stepped into that whole Walmart, you know, throwaway society kind of thing. And people, I'm afraid it's going to come up and bite you in the ass. Well, the thing is, is like there are certain things where you just can't avoid, um, you know, having to buy shit that's made in China or whatever. Like there just isn't another alternative. Well, like clothes. Yeah, or depending, you know, so there are certain things. But when you have a choice... You know, would you, if you were living in America in World War II, would you have bought uh, a Volkswagen? Of course not. Right. Um, because there's plenty of other choices, you know. And, and it's like, I don't know. I, I don't, maybe I'm bandwagoning, a li- or not bandwagoning, maybe I'm high-horsing a little bit. But you know at what? least when I, it comes to knives, I I try to support American makers. Yeah. Well, you know what? It was interesting too because in the when you think about it, what what does Chinese what do the Chinese make that's better than we make? Nothing. Chinese food. Oh yeah. Well, they they don't make Americanized Chinese food better, which yeah, exactly. is what most people eat. Exactly. Yeah, I thought about that after I said that, but. You know, I watched an interesting an interesting uh, story the other day. Yeah, I I was up late the other night, and, and TV was on in the background, and the Sand Pebbles came on. You ever see that movie? Uh huh. You shut up. You've never seen the movie The Sand Pebbles? I don't think so. Steve McQueen and he's a he's on a boat, a, a Navy gunboat in China, and the pre Boxer Rebellion. So what is that? Thirties? The twenties? And um, when when uh, Chiang Kai Shek takes over the country, uh-huh. and uh, we had this American gunboat in China at the time, and uh, so it's a story of the, it's a good it's a good movie. You should watch it. Kind of interesting. It ta- ta- so it shows a little bit about our uh, uh, our di- our gunboat diplomacy that we used to have back then. Yeah, Jingo- jingoism, I guess it was called. <clears throat> It's a interesting movie, very interesting movie. You'll get you'll get angry at the end of it. So it's was made the the movie was made in the '60s, early '60s, but it's a it's an extremely good movie. 
So, um, anyways, that was the beginning of the Chinese um, Communist Party. Hmm. Collectivism and the Bolsheviks and all that shit. The Russians were taken over, you know, that, that whole... You're totally not interested in this, are you? <laughs> well, we're talking about politics without the... Uh, oh, without the disclaimer? All right. I'm, I okay. don't like to do that. Okay, so um, I haven't had my... I haven't had... Uh, I haven't had the, the opportunity to take out the new uh, um, fantastic feeling uh, Scandi knife that, that uh, Bark River made. Uh-huh. Haven't had the opportunity to go out and play with that lately, but I'm absolutely in love with it. Yeah. I you know, I, I haven't haven't used it either. I've held it in the hand. Uh, and I don't know, it's pretty awesome. Um mm -hmm. I'm sure it'll perform like just about any other Scandi knife, but what attracts me to the knife is is um I know it's gonna perform fine, so then what attracts me to it is the aesthetics of it. Right, that and the difficulty I would personally have of making it. <laughs> you know, so I, you know, I don't buy many fixed blades because I can just make whatever it is and probably make it better. But um, the stuff that I can't make is the stuff with milled features. Mm -hmm. um, so, speaking of which, I am going to eventually get a mill. We. Speaking another milled feature we should talk about, given the whole Rambo knife thing. Oh yeah, yeah, saw, yeah. Saw teeth, and uh, you know, I don't think they're useful as a saw teeth thing as as much as you'd like them to be, but they do add a badass aesthetic to the knife. <laughs> you know, so like. Well, when you pull it, when you pull after you plunge the knife into somebody's chest, you know, the ripping it out would probably hook on some, pull some flesh off with it, and you know that would be. <laughs> well, I wouldn't maybe, have any, wouldn't have maybe, any experience doing that with anything. Maybe other so. Than I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember, I remember back when the argument about the the um, the fullers and knives were made, you know, so that the, when you stab somebody, the it would relieve the suction. It was a marketing thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. so it was sort of like the it was sort of like the flutes and a potato knife. <laughs> you know? Do you ever see the? Do you ever see a kitchen knife that has flutes in it? Mm, like a cheese knife? I guess I don't know what flutes well, you're talking well, about. Well, you know, it's like fullers that go up and down. You know, so that yeah, I don't like you, those. I, when yeah, you I, slice I, a potato, it doesn't stick on the on the blade. I don't, I don't like know. If, I can't bring myself to to buy in one. No, I don't know if neither. they work or don't work, but. I just can't bring myself to buying one, and uh, but it kind of cracks me up because that's what the that's what they say they're for. So that like when you're slicing up a potato, it doesn't stick to the blade, it doesn't mm -hmm. stay stuck to the blade. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but anyways, that's what the there was an argument about that about the fullers. That's what the fullers were for was was to relieve the pressure after you stabbed somebody, <laughs> so it wouldn't so it relieve the suction. So that when you when you withdrew the knife, it wasn't hard to pull out. Well, and that it's it's an aesthetic feature. Whoever said that, whoever them. said that, probably said didn't figure out how hard it was to stick one in. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it isn't. Oh, the I mean, chest, it's, it's the harder chest than is. you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it's if if any any adult male can slam a 
It just do it on a piece of pork. <laughs> yeah. You know. It, yeah, but yeah, but you got to worry about bones and everything else. I mean, if you're trying to get somebody, you got to get somebody where there's no bones or where there's vital organs or you don't hit their uh, their shoulder blade. Yeah. Yeah. Not that we would do that or recommend doing that. No, me neither. Yeah. Personally, personally, I don't recommend doing that. So there was a so so uh, there's this discussion about triad locks. Yeah. And uh, I haven't I haven't used one yet. So um, it's but supposed I, to be a pretty awesome feature. Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. It's, like, what are the arguments a, it, against it? And what are the arguments there isn't. for it? It's it's probably a problem that wasn't. It probably solved probably solved a problem that is questionable whether it existed. Huh. Um, you know, a lockback knife is very is a pretty strong lock. You know, um, the difference between this knife and a regular lockback knife is that it's got a stop pin in it. Uh-huh. That's that's it. I mean, I I I don't. I don't see where they gain that much strength out of it. If, I mean, I, I would think that you could take in a, uh, a regular lockback knife and put that much, um, engage that much of a notch in it, uh-huh. and it probably would do the same thing. But he's got a pin in there, and that seems the pin seems to. I I, the, I don't know. It's. <laughs> I'd, yeah, like I'd like to. I said, I'd I, like to. I, I mean, I'd like to hold one in my hand and figure out what's going on there and how it's different from the other, the other okay. kinds of locking mechanisms. Okay, so you know how you know how a lockback engages, right? Right. Okay, so it's got a notch. The blade yeah. swings around, the pivots around, and it hooks into a notch in the pivot in the uh, in the in the pivot point of the blade. And mm-hmm. the, the, the uh, right. Yeah. The, the, I know what you're saying. It, okay. The flat surface on the back. It, yeah. it meshes up with that. Okay, so as it swings around, the the blade that's moving has a a little uh, notch in it, yeah, a little a little step in it before right. before the round part, and it mates up with the lock. Okay, the lock engages in a notch that's in in that part, but the back of the the back of the of the uh, of the lock in, uh, touches the touches the blade. Okay. So it stops it from folding all the way around. Okay. Right. The difference is that instead of having the lock engage the blade, there's a stop pin right there. There's a there's a pin that goes through the through the frame of the of the knife, mm-hmm. so that when the blade swings around, that same spot on the on the on the cutting side of the blade hits that pin instead of hitting the back of the lock. Okay. Instead of it, just all it is is a pin in the middle. Okay. So the lock's on one side and the pin's on the other side. Instead of making the the lock touch the blade, the the blade touches the pin and the lock touches the pin. Okay. It doesn't. I mean, to me, it doesn't. I don't see where it does anything. I mean, maybe it allows you to have a longer. You know, I mean, I. I it's not like I un. I disengineered it, so I'm not sure that uh, that because that is that way you can put a longer. Um, engagement dog on the lock than mm-hmm. a regular than a regular lockback, but I, you know, solving problems that don't exist. I, I mean, that's what I look at. 
at it like. I mean, um, if you really wanted to have that strong of a lockback knife, I mean, that, I mean, that would be the only reason that you would do that. And it's like, well, if you're looking for a strong lock that's stronger than a lockback, which, by the way, is an, a pretty strong lock. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's one of the stronger locks. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I just don't see the... I mean, it's something new. It's something, you know, exciting. And, you know, I mean, I could just see somebody at the at the Blade Show going, Oh, look at this new lock I just came up with. I'm patenting it. See this? New, I mean, it happens every year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, I've got knives in my cabinet that are that are as strong as anything that's ever been designed that will never be produced because it's too complicated and stuff, I, I suppose. You know, and I should have and I should have showed you that when you were here. One of those knives. I think I I think I, I think it's in there in my cabin. I don't think I loaned it to somebody, but but it is, you know, it's it's one of those things that that happens in the design world, you know, Oh, hark, I hear a bird. <laughs> Sounds like a robin. It's noon, whatever noon is, I don't even know. Um, but anyways, that's the that's the thing, is it's a, uh, you know, it's it's another lock, and, you know, it's good for the knife industry because it's something new and something exciting, but, uh, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to locks, um, if I could put all my weight on a knife and hang from it and have it hold my weight, it's probably not going to be. It's not going to be failing. If you're my, having and, to do that, you fucking failed somewhere anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's my and that's always been my point. It's like if you're trying to make it like a a, a crowbar, then you're failed already. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's and that's always been a. That's always been the, the. I mean, it's like breaking stick tang knives. Can you break them? Sure, you can. But but the reality of it is, how many of them actually break under under everyday use, normal normal everyday use? I mean, the, the, some of the stuff that people are coming up with are like, it's ridiculous. I mean, I have never been attacked by a cinder block. <laughs> well, you know, or a boot filled with meat. No. But um... no. <laughs> no, and, it, and but it's but it's always one of those things. It's like, well, okay, it's one of the it's stronger. It's yeah, well, you know, uh, a while back, uh, Spiderco came up with a um, I, I don't remember exactly what they called it, but it engaged instead of being a top lock like like a like a lockback is. It engaged from the side and it had a notch in the blade. And to me, I look at that, I think that's probably that's, a stronger. That's the axis lock, right? No, 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 no. The Spiderco. Spiderco did it. It's like a, it's like a, God, I wish I remember the name of it. It was like a, um, they probably still make it. It was a, uh, it looked like a, it looked like a mono lock or a, not a liner lock, but a, um, uh, frame lock. Mm-hmm. But instead of the, fr- instead of it being a frame lock, like, like on a Sebenza or any of the other frame lock folders, mm-hmm. the, the, the frame engaged the blade with a notch. So, so it didn't just go behind the, the blade and stop it from closing. It actually engaged inside of a notch into the into the blade. Yeah, that's like the doesn't the axis lock do that? No, the axis lock is the one that's got the notch. 
Okay. This was a this was a front this was a I have it upstairs, I'll show it to you when hmm. you come yeah. next time you come here. Um in fact if I can find a picture of it. Right now the engineers in our audiences are uh pulling their hair out. <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> They're going nuts at her. Yeah, because they because they know exactly what lock I'm talking about right now. Well and then the Spyderco fans know exactly what lock it is. The thing is, is that Triad lock has like some major, major fans. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I, mean, I don't fine. have one, and I, I don't know enough about that's, it to be able to that's say. Fine. But that's I know fine. that you know your your standard run of the mill um, lockback folder. Mm -hmm. um, I have personally cut myself on those. Um, because the lock failed, um, but that could be because of the. I mean, you're if you're if you're putting it under heavy use or whatever, and you're gripping the back of the knife. If that lock back is is flush with the back of the knife, um, there's a chance that your palm could push that in just just by gripping it. Um, mm -hmm. Spiderco had a really good solution to that on their uh, Delicas. There's a little divot in that so that you pretty much, in the lock thing itself, that you pretty much have to push down on it intentionally in order for it to engage. You can't just, you can't just engage it by accidentally squeezing it, you know. Or your hand wouldn't, uh, yeah. didn't, wouldn't crimp over it? Right, and then the, the K-Bar um, Dozier model has mm -hmm. another solution. If you look on the K-Bar Dozier model, look at where that lock... Um, mechanism is I'm holding it up you see where that is it's right in the middle yeah if you're if your hand is in a power grip that right in the middle is right in that hollow between your right. thenar and hypothenar eminence it's right. much less likely to engage there whereas like some of the bucks like the I think the buck 110 is on the back you know and so so it depends but, on where you put that put that you know it'll Okay, so what right. what actually let's say you have a lock failure. Uh-huh. What actually could you be doing that you that that lock would fail? Fucking off with the knife. I mean, I mean there's a certain realities here. What yeah. what could you possibly be doing to put that kind of tension on the back of your knife, on the back side on the non-cutting side portion of the knife? That would cause that to fail. Well, what, what could you possibly be doing? It's it's not necessarily that. Like say you say you're cutting through something, like uh, you're limbing a stick or something. I think this is how it happened to me. I was limbing a stick and I had the knife under a lot of pressure, um, so it's impossible for the knife to go backwards, and you wouldn't get cut if it did anyway because of the way the lock is designed. But when you go through and the and the knife breaks through that limb that you're trying to cut off, all of a sudden your hand is going forward with momentum. The lock is not engaged anymore, and when it stops, the blade swings around and cuts your finger. Oh. So that that's when I've seen it fail or just I, just using the knife incorrectly, like cutting towards yourself like this. Sa same kind of thing. You can you can have problems. So. I, I well, the only I, time I've ever had a, a liner lock fail was when I had a... But you're talking uh, about a lock back or a liner lock here? No, I'm talking a liner lock. Yeah. And it was a it was, it was was one of those uh, electrician's knives, which was a, a brass liner lock. 
Uh-huh. And it was I was using the screwdriver portion of it, trying to unscrew a, uh, a, a, a screw that was way too tight. I should have been using a regular screwdriver to do it, and I didn't. I was using that electrician's knife. And the tip broke, and my hand engaged the brass, and and caught because I'm left-handed. Because when I was twisting it, I was twisting it the wrong way, you know, according to well, left and right-handed. So the way I was twisting it, I actually disengaged the lock. So I actually really wasn't a lock failure. It was my hand pushed the lock, and the and the blade closed on my finger. And I and I still to this day carry a scar. And I was probably 12 years old when it happened. L- literally, that's the only time. And I carried a fucking buck 110. For a long ass time as a folding knife, I carried a Schrade um, Uncle Henry bear paw for a long time in a pouch. I mean, when I was in high school, that was those were the two knives that I carried because uh, they didn't have pocket clips back then. And um, but I carried them in a pouch on my belt, a leather pouch on my belt. And so you're talking to somebody that's carried a lockback knife probably two thirds of his life. Mm-hmm. And 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 that was the only time I ever had a failure of a lock on a knife was that particular time. Now I have had slip joints close on my fingers, doing stupid shit, where I was twisting in my twisting it in my hand. But I have never ever had a not, never had a lock fail to where it would where something broke. I mean because I, I I'll tell you to break a lock back the lock on a lock back you're more than likely to break the blade before because you you'd have to be in you'd have to do some kind of lateral twisting motion to to and I'm talking about having it fail while you're using it people I'm not talking about the stupid fucking bang on a table yeah you know I mean that that's the thing you the spine whack test oh that's I, I just, you know, just that, a fool's errand yeah that that is that is a um that is somebody that doesn't really know how to use a knife, thinking that that's something that's important. Um, like I said, I I have never had a, anything spine whack my knife while I was trying to use it. I mean that that's just not. I mean it's just ridiculous. I mean it's, some of the talk about the strongest locks on the planet. Yeah, it's kind of cool to have a strong lock on the planet, but you know the reality is if you're using a knife, if you're so worried about your knife fucking closing on your hand, you better be getting a fixed blade. <laughs> you know, and and I know that that's what uh, you know. Ethan says all the time. Why would I want a knife that's broken in two already? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, he, I mean, that's something that he said for a long time. But you know, I mean, if you're really that concerned about it, then then you probably ought to be carrying a fixed blade because. But, and yet, somebody that's my age, that's literally grew up with knives since he was in third grade, you know, been carrying a knife to school in third grade. And on, and I, you know, I've been carrying one ever since. I mean, it's not like I just fucking started this hobby a week ago because it's not a hobby. It was a way of life for me. I mean, it's part of my way of life. So, I, you spine whackers, you know, you're whacked. <laughs> now, I mean, it just means that you don't really know. You know, I, I, I um, you know, are there, are there some blades that probably have really lousy locking mechanisms? Mm, probably. You know, but it's not a buck 110. It's not a, you know, and those knives don't don't pass their tests. But like I said, I, I have never, that was the only lock I've ever had fail. 
that I can recall. And it wasn't even a, I mean, it was literally a brass liner lock. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a real liner lock. Hmm. I, you know, it's a, the, um, the main blade on that knife is, a, is, uh, has no lock on it at all. The screwdriver blade is a, has a wire stripper on it. And that's what cut me was the wire stripping portion of it. But the screwdriver tip broke, my hand moved on the handle and, and the, and it closed on me. And it cut my finger to the bone. I mean, it was a pretty serious cut, but, but that's it. That's the, you know, that's the extent of it. So, so I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what you people are doing with your knives. I'd kind of like to know. Write me. Let me know what your, <laughs> what your, what your failure is. I'd like to see a video. It'd be kind of neat to see what the hell you were doing that caused a knife to fail like that. Especially the spine whack part of it. I think that's kind of a funny deal. I'd like to know what it is that you're that you're doing that that would would that the spine whack test would simulate what's actually happening in your hand. <laughs> you snip for a hammer. I mean, what what are you doing? Ah, oh, I digress. That was a pretty good rant. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> I'm still curious about the axis lock. I someday that, I want to I want to hold one that, of those knives look, and play look, with it a little bit. This is the axis lock, not the axis. Um, the triad. I have yeah. I have multiple multiple knives with the axis. The triad. I like the that triad. The triad. The tri all the triad is is a lockback. It's literally like every other lockback that everybody makes, mm -hmm. with the exception of it has a stop pin in it. So when the blade pivots around, it stops at the stop pin, and then the lock engages at the same time. Uh -huh. It just engages on the other side of the lock pin, as opposed to having it having the pin not there at all and having the engagement notch on the blade part of it a little further in, so that when you open it up, it stops on the blade and the lock. Uh -huh. That's another step in manufacturing and a little bit more cost to the to the knife, but. You know, and questionable whether it's stronger. Uh huh. That's all I know about that. I mean, I look at the engineering of it, and I, I don't see much of an advantage there. <coughs> well, buy one, order one up. Well, I don't, I don't, I, I've had a. It's cold I, steel that makes them, right? You know, the Chinese make them, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Um, I just remember, like, the ads in the back of, like, Soldier of Fortune with cold steel in them and stuff. And Oh, don't get I, me wrong. I, I liked a lot of cold steel stuff. I mean, they made they made a lot of stuff in the Camillus plant. Because cold steel doesn't make knives. They're like SOG. They don't make knives. They don't have anybody making knives. They don't have anybody assembling knives. They don't have anybody... So they, they OEM'd all of their stuff with Camillus when they were in business. Mm -hmm. That's your dog. Yep. <laughs> I'm gonna say if not, I said excuse yourself. <laughs> right. But no, that, that that's a um uh you know they, they they design knives and they you know but now they go to China and have them all made. I mean I think literally their whole 
their whole production is all made in China. Yeah, I don't I don't know where they're getting their stuff done. I just haven't had a a lot of interest in the company over the years. Um, just because I got kind of turned off by some of their advertising, and I know that's stupid, but you know, what can I say? It was kind of yeah. like the Cold Steel back back in the day was kind of like the Mall Ninja stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so I I don't know. Yep. I haven't yep. really been all that interested in it, but yeah. What well, do I know? Yeah. Well, and like I said, it's it's uh, uh I I don't. I'm not sure that their quality is what it used to be. I mean, they're, they're using Chinese stuff, so yeah, maybe their quality now is pretty good because Chinese stuff is pretty good now compared to what it was 20 years ago. Well, and yeah. like I said, and when if, I say, if I have I say, the choice, I'd rather buy American-made, even if the quality of the Chinese is better. Well, and that's the, and that's like, the point. That's the that's the rough part about this whole Chinese thing. You know, the, the I, when I say case knives and I, and I say some of the other you know, it's hard to see two hundred dollars difference in in quality between a between a Rough Rider and a and a uh, um, and, it, and I mean a, a case or a or a um, any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. You know, any of the other American-made uh, slip joints, and it's and that's a shame. I mean that's a shame. I that's why I think that uh, you know I would be for um, restrictions about how much of that shit can be imported into our country. You know I would be for tariffs. I mean I think we should get rid of our our income tax and put tariffs on shit coming into our country. We want to put Americans back to work. Do what the founding fathers wanted to do. You know, tax the shit that comes into the country. Is that wrong? No, that's fair. <laughs> Everybody else fucking does it to us. That's fair. You know, you know I, that's what I think, anyways. I think you could get away, you could do away with uh, uh, with a lot of this crap. Put Americans back to work. Although Americans may not want to work anymore. You know. Think about <laughs> well, they don't have we, to work. You can you can uh, live a lifestyle in this country off of other people's labors better than the the working poor can, and in this country, and better than most of the rest of the world lives working their asses off. Yeah, you yeah. know. So there's really if you if you're gonna bet on a human trait, um, and Let's say we, we take an average Joe that you pull out of the lineup at Walmart and you give him a choice where he has to do some work, um, put some money at risk. You know, it's going to take a while to get a payoff, uh, but the payoff may or may not be greater than option B, which is all he has to do is sit on his ass and collect a check. Uh, so the sloth option versus the hard work work option I, I would take the sloth option. I would bet on the sloth option. I'd give you 99 to 1 odds that you pull a random guy out of Walmart and may give him that choice. I'd give you, for if you bet a dollar, I'd give you 100 back if he chose the hard work option. It's just human nature. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to, that, that's part of the whole, that's why you have values and morals and 
you train your kids to have values and morals uh, to to not make the choice that is damaging to society and to yourself in the long run of sloth. <clears throat> but now we're going back into politics. But yep. anyway, um, yeah, so PWYP. WYP, this is the last year for it. Right, so just as a background to uh, listeners who don't know what we're talking about, how did how did PWYP come apart? I, I suppose you're much more qualified to talk about that than most of the people in the world are. P, PWYP started on knife forums in the Outdoor Survival Forum back in the day. Back, actually, 14, well, it was, it started getting talked about about 15, 16 years ago. And it basically was uh, all of these guys that were like, oh, I can survive with a pocket knife and a fucking rubber. You know, and they were getting all <laughs> snotty. <laughs> you know, that's all I need. I just need a, I just need a freaking uh, sharp stone and a, and a uh, empty water bottle, and I, and I can survive. You know, and, and, and Terrell's got a, a – Terrell Hoffman – was one of the moderators on the site, and he kind of got tired of hearing it. And so he basically threw down the gauntlet and said, hey, you know, um, why don't you come on over to my property and practice what you preach? Bring your freaking, your your pocket knife and your condom and uh, see how long you can make it. And so the first couple years, <clears throat> it was pretty... Um, Pretty meager existence for everybody that went. You know, some guys went with no food at all. You know, they, they fished out of the creek or they tried to trap and they got hungry. And some people brought hot dogs and some people brought a little bit of, like, backup food. And so early on, you were you're not seeing the grand meals that that came later on in, in the in the, in the the deal. Uh, first year was, uh, I think there was five people that were there. And then next year was probably 10 or 15. And then it kind of grew after that. And it hit to a number of about 90 after, I don't know, I'm guessing like year 7, 8. And then it pretty much stayed between like 90 and 110. Somewhere in that range, I think, was the number of people. And it kind of evolved into a grand get-together rather than a uh, uh, practice what you preach weekend when, you know, basically Terrell called everybody on the carpet and said, look, this is, you know, you guys really can't, <laughs> you know, with a with a um, a paper clip and a piece of string, uh, you know, you're not going to last a week. <laughs> so it was kind of a funny deal. But now it evolved into you know porta potties and uh, um, campers, and I mean people people have show up with campers now and big tents and um, uh, massive camping kitchens and and uh, you know it's kind of the not the um, not what the original intention was. 
and uh, and I see this year is going to be the last year for for it to be at Terrell's place. Um, Fifteen years. This is the fifteenth year of it, and fourteen. Uh, uh, is it? Yeah, no, it I think 15. so. No, I think it's fourteen. I could be wrong. Year year fourteen. Well, that's probably right. He wrote it right on the post. So I I guess I did. I thought it was fifteen, but that's okay. Fourteenth year. Um, and uh, you know, and I I've kindly offered up uh, you know an alternative for the for the following year if anybody wants to. Uh, do something up here you know we can find a big chunk of property and in this maybe in the up or maybe you know and uh and go kind of go back a little bit to the roots of you know the pwyp where you're going there to show off your skills Mm -hmm. um you know and have fun also but it 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 kind of, for the past couple of years, has gotten kind of out of control. Um, I don't. It wasn't what the original intention was. It kind of evolved into a big uh, carnival-type atmosphere almost. Um, we've had weddings there. You know, a couple, a couple had gotten married a couple years back. And, uh, you know, and in the process over the years, pe- some people have gotten butt hurt over something. You know, and I'm never coming back. That kind of crap, and you know, it's uh, it's been a, it's an interesting history, and it was an interesting. It was one of the first get-togethers on. I mean, it was prior to the big uh, dirt time things that were going on uh, out on the on the west coast. It was way ahead of those. Um, I don't I don't think that I think those came on afterwards. Um, you know, I think the Ron Hood thing was like shortly after that and you might be more familiar with that than i am but it seems I, to me i all have that not stuff yeah i, I, I haven't that. gone to any of that you know but anyway so that's the original that was the first uh-huh. and uh and now he's now terrell's probably not going to host anymore i mean and and i haven't spoke with him about it so i don't know what the re i mean it, maybe it's just enough maybe he's just tired i mean it's a big it's a lot of it's a lot. He he's done a lot, you know. That was a lot of work to to take care of all that stuff, and and uh, you know, I guess you get tired of it after a while. So anyway, so if if uh, um, like I said, and I in that in that Facebook post, I uh, I said uh, you know we, we can continue on in some other place if if uh, everybody so desires. Yeah. We have a we have a lot of property that we can go to. <clears throat> so anyway, so that's what that's about. Yep. So I, I, we're actually going. Yep. I wasn't planning on going because I've got a bunch of other stuff up in the air right now, but I'm going to make it a priority and get down there. I sent in yep. my registration for that. Uh, we'll have to figure out. Uh, like when we're actually going to show up, so I know when to fly into Knoxville. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 I'll pick you up on the way by. Yeah. Uh, Wait, okay. Light. So travel so light this year. Here's what I was thinking of doing. Um, I'll just uh, I'll just bring. Uh, I haven't decided whether I want to do the hammock thing or a single tent. Uh, I think you should. I think you should bring your a paper clip and a string. In a condom. 
Well, well, here's <laughs> here's what my idea was. I was just going to bring minimal stuff that I can just fit in my little uh, uh, Maxpedition Vulture 2. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, carry it on the plane so I don't have to play baggage, pay baggage fee. And then we'll stop at Smoky Mountain Knife Works, and I'll pick up a sub-$25 folder or something. You that know. sounds like fun. Yeah, that sounds like then, that'll work. Yep. So uh, and and you know what? I I could probably bring something for you too. Well, I you know it'd be it'd be more fun to to do it with like some little dinky folder, and then uh, you know typically what I would need for something would be uh, water. Um, you really don't even need food for that short of a time. I mean, you right. can fast that entire time and be just fine. Yeah, but, but no, you wouldn't be just fine. You'd be fucking miserable. Well, I you, you may not be miserable inside. That. <laughs> you may be you may be miserable, not miserable yourself, but you'd be miserable for other people to be around. Right. Well, but <laughs> but so so just saying that my luxury item is going to be um, the ability to make food. So I'll my, just bring I'll just bring my MSR Titan, a uh, spork, uh, and then scrounge so, off everybody else. Well, either that, or I can just I can just stop by and and get some dehydrated crappy food, get or some a can ramen of noodles or something. Yeah, I mean ramen you're noodles just and fine a can doing of spam. That. Yeah, well it's it's kind of funny because you know you you talk about fasting and stuff. I got a buddy of mine that you know real well um, that that can't if he doesn't eat like in like yeah, five meals a day he's a he's a freaking bastard. Yeah, he would be <laughs> miserable. Yeah. But I, what but, I was thinking of doing was just going with minimal, minimal, minimal stuff and spend, you know, the the, the issue last year was that um, we're both able-bodied and self-starters. And uh, so the problem is, is that we spend all of our time with food prep yeah. and with getting firewood and all of this. So I was thinking of just this year, just doing... What I would normally do, which is have a minimal fire, uh, just enough to cook on, and very short, which I can gather the wood and get that fire going in five minutes, you know. And then uh, just not make the focus for me this year being food, but try to get out and do the activities and camp and all that sort of thing. Right. You know, because they have good uh, good lessons on stuff and really neat uh programs yeah, see, put on and, and and to me i've always just enjoyed the com the, the the friendship and the camaraderie i mean i don't i mean I, I go there and i tend to pick up a few things but you know it's uh it's always been to me it's always been a uh uh just to see friends you know that's yeah that was has always been what i've enjoyed doing with it was the seeing of the friends, you know, visiting the friends. Yeah. Well, I, I like that too. Yeah. Um, the, you know, kind of what I was thinking was, uh, you know, see, see friends, but then have more time to see friends. Yeah. You know, and less time doing all the prep and stuff. Yeah. 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 It seems like everybody else is sitting around drinking beer and talking. Yep. Why, <laughs> you know, I why probably won't we? sit around and drink beer, but why can't I goof off a little bit? Because my my needs for something like that are minimal. Yep. You know, I don't I don't need to spend a bunch of time. But uh, anyway, yeah. well, 
Shall we uh, take a little break here? Yep, let's take five. got to refill my coffee cup. Word from our sponsor. Word from our sponsor. All right. Have, bye bye. Bark River Knives offers the best combination of ultra-modern CNC components and old-world craftsmanship. All Bark River Knives are hand-convex ground and sharpened to perfect cutting geometry for the task they are designed to perform. Bark River Knives are available through our authorized dealers. Yep, I'm back. All right. I am back. <clears throat> Everything came out all right? Yeah. I just had to do some, uh, oh, you know, had to get some bread ready to go in the oven and such. Hey, speaking of cooking, uh-huh. you, ever made, you ever made homemade noodles? Yeah, lots. Yeah. You make them like homemade egg noodles? Yeah, you can make them that way. Um, the other way you can do it is uh, uh, you can buy semolina pasta flour and make it that way, or you can get, you know, make it with a rolling pin, um, kind right. of the traditional grandma way of doing it, or um, you can get a pasta bike and make like actual pasta or an attachment. Attachment for your mixer or a pasta machine to actually make like tubed and fancy pastas and stuff. I've done all of that. My uh, uh, my aunt used to make chicken soup for me when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Well, she didn't just make it for me, but I really liked it, and so she would always, whenever she made some, she would always bring some over. And um, uh, I had never, I had never made noodles before. I mean, I'd been around my grandma, and my grandma made them, and my aunt made them, and my my aunt made a big stink about them when she brought them over, and I I always liked them, but they were always a little bit thicker than everybody else's noodles, and um, so the other day I tried some, and it was pretty simple actually. Yeah. Um. Now, her recipe was just general purpose flour and an egg and a little sprinkle of water. Uh huh. And that was it, and then you boil it in uh, uh, chicken broth or. Or beef broth, chicken broth is better, I suppose. But um, but you can boil them in water too and get the same results. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it was really good. I I really uh, I made um, uh, some beef stroganoff the other day and it was pretty pretty damn tasty with homemade noodles. And it didn't take very long. It doesn't take very long to make them. Yeah, uh, you know what I do is uh, I buy uh, bone in skin on chicken mm-hmm. uh, whenever we're going to have chicken, which is quite a bit. And then I save all the bones and stuff and skin in a bag in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And then when I get a couple full bags, I make my own broth. It's uh, way, way, way better. And then you can have things like chicken noodle soup. And after I get the broth made, what I'll do is I take my old uh, empty two-liter pop bottles mm-hmm. and fill them with broth and throw that in the freezer. And then, we, so we always have kind of a, a stock of fresh broth on hand. It's really nice. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's yeah, way man. better than the stuff that you can buy. At least, it's that's just my opinion, of course. Well, I like I like to take whole chickens, and and put it in a pot of water with a couple vegetables, and then throw uh, 
throw just throw noodles in on top of it or throw rice in on top of it later on after uh-huh. you cooked them all down and pulled all the bones out of it. You know, just and so you have like the best chicken soup ever. Yeah, well, that's definitely good stuff. Um, you know, that's that's a way to do it. People make uh, chicken and biscuits or chicken and dumpling that way. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Yeah. yeah, my grandma used to make chicken and dumplings that way. Yep. Yepper. So what else is going on? What are you thinking about lately? Uh, spring, spring. I mean, we're at the end of January. No, I'm not. Not even close to ready to think about that. <laughs> really? No, I'm. I, I. It's so far off. It's not even funny. You just torture think, yourself worrying about I think, it. I think we're going camping. It, uh, you're not even weekend. in February. Like, <laughs> how are you thinking about spring? It's January. Uh, well, I think we think of spring as the time when when maple syrup starts running. Yeah, but that's not for a long time yet. Oh, is it? I don't know. End of February, March. Huh. Month away. 20, 20 day, 28 days away. I mean, we could have an early run of, in February, end of February. I mean, it's beautiful outside right now. It's cold, but it's beautiful. The sun's out. Uh-huh. You know, just remind, days are getting a little bit longer. You know, you feel like it's going to be spring here shortly. I mean, it, it, people are starting to, uh, it's interesting because people are starting to talk like that up here. You know, it's it's like maple syrup season. It's not too far off. They're crazy. <laughs> You're just gonna torture yourself worrying about it. Yeah, I, well, I don't. I I'm not. I vowed not to even think about spring until it's the second week in March. Because even then, second week in March, you've still got snow on the ground. You've still got some cold weather ahead. It's not until like mid-April. P- PWYP is in mid-March this year. It's at the end. It's the last weekend. Is it? Mm-hmm. I thought it was mid mid. Nope, last weekend, and then uh, you know, so you're you're a long ways off, even in yeah. March from from actually having a, a spring. Uh, we had a foot of snow on the ground May eighth a couple years ago here. Oh yeah. So. Oh well, uh, last year PWIP, I had to get the neighbor. With his big loader tractor to dig out my trailer, to, to <laughs> dig out to, to, when I hauled my uh, buggy down there. Yeah, I mean because it was the snow was like ten feet deep over it. Yeah. So, uh, so some user questions here. I put out a little question thing on uh, Facebook. So um, here's a question from Dan. Uh, he wants to know about shot show opinions on the new knives that have come out. And uh, I haven't really seen a lot come out. Have you? Is there is there no. like a page you can go to to see the new stuff? Usually next week will a lot of the reports will start rolling in. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure that that knife companies are all enthused about launching new products at the shot show. Right. Um, I mean, they have new products that were launched, but they usually are launching stuff at the blade show mm-hmm. because um, knife nuts get excited about new knives that come out, new locks, new mechanisms, new this, new that. Um, gun people, not so much. Uh-huh. You know, gun people are not, uh, and, and the SHOT Show is really a place for manufacturers to show their wares to retail outlets that mm-hmm. buy 
in I mean, in that, bulk, that's the whole, yeah. That's the whole point of it. Um, uh-huh. It's not like the NRA show where they're trying to sell to the public and they're trying to get public opinion and da 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 da. This is this is a place that you're you're trying to sell your products to sporting goods stores. Uh-huh. Is a sporting goods store a knife nut? Not no, usually. Well, they, 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 yeah, they give a shit about their margins. Yeah, they're going to be looking. They're going to be looking for products that are going to appeal to Joe Blow at Walmart. Yep. Not, yep. Yep. Now not, knife. Now now the knife shops. You know that's a little different story, but. Um, but I think a lot of a lot of companies are more excited about. I mean, they they launch stuff there, but it's uh, it's not like the big fanfare and hoopla like like it once was. I don't think. Yeah, I think uh, you're you, you got to wait till Blade. Yeah, um, I think I think I, Blade tends to be the the one that they like to launch stuff at because you're 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 unloading it on people that are excited about it. Right, that you're basically a knife nut if you're at Blade. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yep, then. Exactly. Uh, but. Uh, the other thing is, is that companies have released their 2015 catalogs. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't had a chance to look at any of them, but I know you can sign up to get the K Bar one, to, you know, sent to your house or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they've know, released their Case, new stuff. They just haven't like drawn much attention to it. I know Case uh, uh, turned loose their V42. They just released that. I mean, that's been okay. a project that they've been working on for like five years. Uh huh. Um, they, they, they brought back a, uh, an exact, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's an exact copy of their original V42. Okay. Which is kind of cool. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a historic piece of, uh, uh, knife history. Yep. You know, the, the V42 stiletto. Yep. That's the, the, their version of the Fairbairn Sykes, is it not? Well, I think it was pre-Fairburn Sykes. Okay. Maybe I don't not. know. I don't know. It's it's a it's a uh, it's a knife that they built during the, you know, uh, before I think before World War II, but it could be right at World War II it came out. Yeah. Um the Devil's Brigade apparently was one of the one of the groups that used it. Um a lot of history, you know. Yeah. And uh and I'm not sure Case was the only well, Case might have been the only one that made it. Not up on my. Uh, I don't know either, yeah. um, but. Uh, but yeah, then, you're right. You're right. It is a it is a Fairbairn Sykes style knife. But then he asks another question: um, Which collaborations you'd like to see between companies and makers? He says he'd like to see ZT and Scott Gossman or ZT and Ray uh, Laconico. Um, you know the thing is is. Uh, I, I I'd like to see new blood. Period. I'd, I'd like to not collaborations. I'd like to see some new designers. Yeah, because a lot of the aesthetic in the knife industry, at least at the major companies, is very stale. But yeah. you know, that's just my my take on it. And I think a lot of the the only people that are going to be upset about that are people that are kind of into the custom knife market anyway, and the. Uh, the big companies lag, you know, years and years and years, like half a decade behind what's going on in the custom world typically. So, you know, I think, I think a lot that, of their stuff is pretty stale because they're using the same old guys to design the same old shit. Well, I, I think the uh, I think that's what the collaborations do. Is they, uh, um, oh, my mouse just died. 
my battery and my mouse is tight. I think the collaborations um, do what you're looking for, looking at. Mm -hmm. um, I think they uh, uh, they they introduce some cutting edge stuff to the you know to the manufacturers. Um, whether they are able to pull off the designs as well as the custom maker does, that's kind of always always the issue because you know companies. Let's face it; they're there to make money. Um, that's the whole point. Is they're, right. they're there to make a product that they can sell and make a profit. Um, I'm not saying that most knife company, most knife makers, are in that same mindset. Uh -huh. um, they're they're making knives because they love to make knives, and a lot of times, if I mean, and it's one of those business 101 things that if um, they don't value their labor very much, very highly, because you think about a guy that's that's builds a knife. It takes him a month to build it, um, and he sells it for four thousand dollars. Mm. Now, in my calculations, that means it's he's a fifty-four thousand dollar a year person. Well, and that's well, it's yeah. even less than that because he's got uh, you know probably a lot more hours in it than you think he's got into it. And well, and there's materials costs. And, if you're, if you're selling a knife for four grand, there's some serious materials cost in there. Yeah, yeah. And um, and so, you know, you're not valuing your, your, your time very much. So, you know, there, I mean, I think that that's a lot of the – I think that's a lot of the reason for it. Now, if you're mass-producing knives and you're selling them for $4,000 a piece, that's, you know, pretty good. Well, and then the, the other thing, um, you can make uh, you can make knives with a different aesthetic that are just as cheaply manufactured as the ones that are currently being made. Like, you know, if you look at the ZT line, um, those are pretty pricey knives to manufacture. I'd imagine. I don't imagine that they're that their profit margins are huge on those like they would be with, you know, some other, you know, low-end Kershaw knife or something like that. But it, it serves as like a flagship model, you know, saying, look at what we can do. These are so awesome. Our other knives must be good, too. Mm -hmm. You know, so well, you I look think... at You look at the line steel knives, at the, the one piece uh -huh. uh, that they made, uh, beautiful I mean, they're beautiful, absolutely beautiful. DPX gear um, gets their stuff done yep, through Lion Steel, and they're they're every single thing I've ever had from DPX gear has been awesome. Speaking of which, they have a new knife. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, chopper <laughs> let's let's dissect this a little bit and you know um robert young pelton is a friend of mine okay so this is not this is not me you know i don't know i'm probably not totally objective then is how i would put it but i think 
the, the overall design looks good. I, obviously, I haven't handled one since they were just released at shot. Uh, but what I worry about is where is the utility of the complex grind that they put on it. Um, so if this is supposed to be a chopper, um, why why have the chopping surface be that it looks like a hollow grind and then have the convex grind in the last inch of the handle you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. or not the, the convex the full convex grind grind so what you would actually use as a uh to chop with why is that only the last inch of the blade and it you know that i can't tell from the pictures and i haven't handled one so that, that may be a flat grind um, from the handle up to that transition there, but why wouldn't you have that that convex looking grind or the thicker grind start kind of at the midpoint of the blade and go out all the way to the tip, so that when you are swinging it as an actual chopper, um, you're hitting the best grind for um, that particular task. You know, I don't know. Uh, it's just my take on it. It looks like a good knife. Um, I'd like to play with one and handle it and see what what it's all about. Uh, I just don't understand that that grind going out as far as it did. What, what do you think? You're, you're I silent. I, I, <laughs> you're shocked. I, I uh, yeah. I think the blade shape. And, and the way he's got the handle done, the handle looks comfortable from the pictures I've seen. It looks like yeah. you wouldn't get hot spots. The blade shape looks very good. It looks like a parang. I just am questioning the the complex grind all the way out like that. So that only the last inch and a half or so is is actually usable as a chopper. But yeah. you know, maybe I'm just thinking about it wrong. I can't I can't tell if it is a uh if that is a big hollow grind or a flat grind, or I, you know, I'm I'm looking at a picture. It, it sure does look hollow grind, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't know. What do I know? Um, I haven't handled the knife, so I can't tell you if it is or not. Right. Maybe he maybe he's got some stats on it on his website. Who, who, look who's quick. making this for him? Um, oh, Lion Steel, made yeah. by Lion Steel. Yeah, typically <clears throat> it is. Um, hmm. I, I'd, I'd give it a fair shot if I was able to play with it. I can't really speak to it um, because I because I don't have one. I've, ne- I've yeah. not used it. Um, I I'm not I'm not a I'm not a big fan of knives that I can only use one or two th- use it for one or two things. Um, well, I you think, know, you, I, think I think you'd I get think a lot of use. Oh, it's three hundred bucks. I think you get kind of. But he sold every he sold every single one of them. Yeah. Um, so it says uh, DPX Heft 12 Chop is uh, fixed is the only hard use tool you need for your expedition. Well, I guess I would know something about what you need for expeditions having actually been on them, but we'll just go with his marketing there. Um, made in Italy by Lion Steel featuring Sleipner Stainless Steel. What's that? Probably a name of some of the other steels that we normally use. 
and then um, ergonomic <laughs> just... G10 scales. You know what? The, the pictures of these are not don't really tell me all that much. Um, See, I'm coming out with a knife, and it's going to have schnitzel steel on it. Okay, so the blade thickness is 0.22 inches. Overall length is 18. RC hardness is 60. See, that's right there. I think that that's too hard to be a chopper. I think that I think you're you're getting into an area where you could, you know, maybe the steel super steel so that it can take the the pounding of something that's at a Rockwell sixty, but you know, something that's that hard. I'm I'm always I am always in fear of uh, hitting a rock or hitting hit you know when you're chopping something and then all of a sudden you got you got to resharpen it. And, and, you know, sharpening something that's Rockwell 60 in the field is not a pleasant experience. <sighs> that is not a pleasant experience. Well, at any rate, I, I actually would kind of like to play with one of those. Maybe we yeah. can talk them into sending us one for PWIP. Yeah, that'd be fun. Although I think they're... Yeah, they're already sold out. They're already sold out. Yeah, need to send I, I, I don't think he's going to have any problem at all selling that. Because it, it actually does look, it looks badass. Like, yeah. I, I like the aesthetics of it. Um, his stuff is usually really, really well thought out, too. You know, I don't I don't know if he designs it all himself or if he gets a lot of, a lot of help from other people. But, you know, certainly the Hest folder is, is like one of the better folders that I own. <laughs> And very well thought out. So I'm sure that this thing has some features that I can't see. I don't know. I just well, I just don't know about that grind, but yeah, maybe I'm overthinking. You know, you know, I, I I'm just <clears throat> always been kind of turned off by the beer bottle opener. What's that? Oh, on the back. Yeah. You know the well. Yeah, no, yeah, on, yeah. One of his models, he came out with a well. It's beer. got yeah. The, well, that's um <clears throat> the. On the back of some of his fixed blades, I'm looking at his site here, so this is why I don't own any of his fixed blades. But on the right. back of his some of his fixed blades, he's got that notch there that you're seeing. Right. Um, I don't have a problem with that being there, but on the on the Hest, he's got that kind of on the blade, and then yeah. you you swing that on your pocket to open it up, kind of like the well, no, I know, but the, the notch, but but the notch on the on the fixed blade knives was was touted as being a beer bottle opener. Yeah, I don't, if, if, I don't if necessarily have a problem with that, really. But Once again, solving problems that don't exist. When was the last time that I could not open a beer bottle with my blade? Yeah, it's easier to do it this way, though. <laughs> and if you're really drunk and you try that trick, you could cut yourself. Whereas, <laughs> whereas if you have that notch there... It's like really, really easy. Yeah, well, I, I'm just a weenie. Like I said, like I said, I in the art of manliness, I did a class one time about to a kid for a kid opening a beer bottle because he had no idea. It's like anybody got a can opener, a bottle opener? I can't open this beer bottle anymore. <laughs> it's like you know, I, I, you know, once again, I grew up, I guess, just you know, not thinking that that was an. Uh, Something that I really needed on the back of my knife was something. Well, you don't you don't really need it. 
<clears throat> but if, if no, you're but... just going to have nothing, if it doesn't detract from the knife and it doesn't hurt the function and doesn't weaken the knife, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a problem with it, but I'm, I don't know what, it's just stupid. But, <laughs> you know, I just, I don't have a strong opinion yeah. about it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, well, I just, I mean, it's just one of those things that I, I just don't, I don't see the need for it. I don't okay. see why would you waste the energy designing something like that into it. Well, because sure it, I, they, it actually is pretty handy at opening beer bottles. <laughs> like I, I, like I, I, I said, I... Okay, you know, you realize I'm going to have to delete that, or the social <laughs> justice warriors are going to come after us. But, no, like, uh, I don't know. I you don't need it, but I don't mind having it. You know, I don't I don't I, really need a knife to open a box. Like I can just rip it open with my hands, and I don't need a knife or scissors to cut string. I can just bite it. But you know, if I've got the tool, I don't mind using it. Anyway, I, I would just I would just as soon open the beer bottles the way I open. Well, then there's nothing wrong with the way you do it, you know. I know, I know. So, I don't know. So, what do you think about that Jolly Pumpkin? I liked it. I liked it. Notice that didn't have a twist off cap either, did it? Nope. You have to open that up with a with your with my knife. secret method or with a, an actual opener. <laughs> Got to get a battery for my mouse. Let's see. So, um, other questions we got. Uh, So we kind of rambled on about that a bit. Um, I, I would like to see some different blood designing stuff. I think they should... Well, it's not my money, number one. I'm not the one that has to finance the production runs. So really, right. what I think about it really doesn't matter at all. Well, um, but... I'll guarantee you that, that it's a... You know, it's one of these things that what the general population is going to buy... And what knife nights buy is not the same thing, and people yeah. got to get their head wrapped around that. I mean, if you're if you're designing knives for the real world, um, you know you probably don't give a shit about a triad lock, <laughs> or or a you know um, you know or a wave feature. You I might mean, you uh, might like having a beer bottle on there for Joe Blow, a <laughs> 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 beer bottle opener. Yeah, for the guys that didn't grow up with knives, knowing how to open up a beer bottle, right? Without it, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it is it is kind of funny. I mean, you you know, you are putting lateral stress on your blade and lock mechanism if you do it that way, Jim. <laughs> you are breaking one of your rules. I know, I know. Well, that's why I have. That's why the pivot point is relatively important. Yeah, you got to have a nice, strong pivot. You know, point. as many as many beers I opened like that, I have never, I have never had one of those locks fail on me. I got to practice was a that trick. Freaking buck, buck one ten, and a, and a. Uh, I know I did a class one time. I remember. Um, I, I can do it. I've I've known how to do that forever. It's just I don't I don't drink beer often enough that like. 
I'm no, I don't either anymore. I don't either anymore. I mean, I yeah. I'm more apt to use a corkscrew on my Swiss Army knife than I am to use <laughs> yeah use, use my big knife to open up a bottle. Yeah, your grain um, belt or whatever. Of course, you don't yeah. even get grain belt up there. What do you? What did? What was your cheap growing up beer? Uh, Blatts. Well, yeah. See, that's more of a more up by you. We had like grain belt and. <clears throat> Yeah, we had Milwaukee, like Milwaukee's finest, and Milwaukee's and, uh, best, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I was a Blatt's drinker. I drank Blatt's for a long time. I don't is that, even know. Is if that you a can Canadian? Yeah, no, yeah. I've oh, seen it's it. Wisconsin, Wisconsin. I've seen, I've seen Blatt's before. <clears throat> I, I haven't. We used to go, we used to go over, over, uh, over the bridge and get Canadian beer, um, like Molson uh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Molson Canadian. We used to drink. Uh, uh, Stroh's is a Detroit beer. Yeah, I've had that. I you like know, that. Was a you're going to laugh at me. Stroh's and long neck bottles. I mean, that was a big deal. Little Kings. We used to go to Ohio and get Little Kings. You you want to know what my you know my two favorite cheap beers are? Hmm. You're going to laugh at me though, so maybe I shouldn't say it. Um, say it. Say it. Schlitz. Oh, is actually fantastic beer. Like yeah. not not the kind. You know, like the well, actual original. Is that a malt liquor? No, that's that's well, like the well, the actual 45. original Schlitz beer, like yeah. not the not their, you know, whatever it is they're marketing now, but the actual yeah. original recipe. <clears throat> we used to always say Schlitz gives you the shits. We used to call it the shits. <laughs> so that's still number get, one. Number two get a 12 is twelve pack uh, of shits. Do you remember those commercials with like a guy in a canoe and it's like from the land of sky blue waters? Yeah, that would be Ham's beer. Right. So like those are like if if I can find those are actually difficult for me to find. I actually do. I don't. Are they still in business? I don't even think they're still around. Are they? Ham's. Yeah, I I had some a while ago. My you know our man in the field. Uh huh. He's a big fan of uh, Ham's uh, and Grain Belt, and I think. He even found me a 12-pack of the original Schlitz once. Yep. Well, you know what? what one of our deals was um, whatever, if it was free, it was good. Yeah, well. You know, and if, if somebody else bought it, it was good. And then uh, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always, there's another one I'm missing from when I lived in Chicago. Like, you'd walk around the corner, and there wouldn't be, like, a restaurant name or a bar name. It just have an old style sign and that oh, yeah. was like their sign so i like yep. old style too yeah i actually like oh. old style a lot i never i never was a miller's guy uh-huh that didn't care for miller's um we drank hams we drank uh that was but I, I haven't seen that in a long time we drank um i mean there was a period of time where i mean back when now i think about when i'm talking about when i was 18 19 years old <clears throat> it was a few years back Foster's was just coming into being that we would see a lot. Like Australian for beer or whatever. Yeah, yep, yep. And then um, uh, Heineken. Was... Yeah, that's been around for a long time, though. Right, I, I don't right. like it. It's skunk piss. They ha- yeah. I, it's good if you – I'm sure it's good if you get it in country. But yep. when it by the time it gets over to here, those green bottles, the light gets through there and turns the beer skunky. Yep, and but. so uh, that was one um, – I don't know. Usually it was Blatt's, though. That was kind of the... You get a case of Blatt's for like 280 or something like that when I was a kid. <laughs> Blatt's. <laughs> for, I mean, you get like 24 bottles for... I mean, they were they were like 30 cents a pop. That's awesome. 
You know, I mean, it was it was like I said, it was back in the old days, uh, Blatt's long neck bottles. And so, you know, my knife was always used to open bottles up. I never carried a church key on my key ring like a lot of the other kids did. Uh-huh. Um, and it was funny because I used to get teased about it all the time, and I'd go, my of course, my buddies that knew me knew that I didn't do that. And, and uh, you know, some of the new guys, you'd have a party or something, and somebody say, don't you, why don't you have a church key on your car ring? I was like, why? Because I used my knife. And I would pull out my Buck 110 or my Uncle Henry Bear Paw, fucking snap, a beer, snap one open with that. Yeah. And I used to be able to, you know, it was funny, too, because I used to be able to, uh, pull my knife out I, if i didn't have it on my belt sheath i would carry it in my back pocket and i used to be able to a, a buck 110 and a and a uncle henry and i'm sure the puma folding hunter like lockback hunter was like that too you could you could take it out of your pocket and if you were gripping it by the blade you could flick it and it would and the handle was heavy enough that it would swing open yeah buck itself. 110 will do that too because yeah, of the brass yeah, yeah. on there yeah exactly and so, you know, you, you were always kind of cool because you could deploy a knife like that. And it was prior to any of the... Before the, the Spider, yeah, spider yeah. Co. and all those. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Now, we should get to another question here. So, uh, from Croatia, we got three questions. Oh. Number one, uh, and he, he, this guy, like, hates on hipsters, like, worse than we do. Because apparently they're, like, overrunning Croatia. And he's just had it, like... Uh, so anyway, he says the trend of carrying four or five different knives in the outdoors because they fill specific purposes in parentheses, chopping, splitting, making feather sticks, processing food, etc. This is prevalent with our favorite bush jackass crowd and the, <laughs> and the survivalists, but it is another sign of the de-evolution. But is it another sign of the de-evolution of outdoorsy men with the cojones? into just a latest fad of the hipster kind. Now, you know what? And this is, this is you're going to think this is kind of funny. This is because we're knife nuts, people. Yeah. That's yeah. why we're fucking knife nuts. I mean, I've gone camping to PWIP with my footlocker full of knives. Yeah, like literally he, he brings <laughs> he brings a trunk. You know, like on the, you guys that have pickups, you know how you have that like tool thing in the back? that like locks down like Jim brings that and it's filled with fucking knives, you know? And like, <laughs> yeah. like we just sit around like goofing off with these things for like hours. Like, yeah. Well, and the thing is, it, and it's not that I need all of those knives. It's cause I want all those knives. I mean, I mean, I've been places where you can just have, you just have a Swiss army knife. That's it. And that's yeah. all you have. I mean, yeah. that, you know, and, and can you do with less? Yes, but we're knife nuts. <laughs> well, Okay, that's but, the whole point. I but, mean, and, and I, but he's he's talking about he's talking about something different. Like we we you and I carry a bunch of knives because we like play with them, right? And and uh, right. you know, so that's that's a different thing than what he's talking about. He's talking yeah. about you know these. I, I to a, be honest a, with there you, there is th- th- this bushcraft world um, goes through all these trends and stuff. Like you know, hopefully they're turning away from those. Uh, Mora knives, and, and well, see, you know what? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, we, I live in a camping heaven up here. I yeah. mean, people are camping up here all the time. We have lightweight backpackers. We have all kinds of people that are walking the trails that go from here to Canada, across the UP. They hike Isle Royal. 
You know, these people don't carry 17 knives. No, they carry a multi-tool. Yeah, they carry yeah. a, yeah, and, and maybe a, a small fixed blade knife, or they carry a multi-tool and a, and a Swiss Army knife. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, they, they really, if, I mean, if, if they're that. doing lightweight MREs or they're eating, you know, freeze-dried foods or something like that, even if you're canoe camping, you know, yeah. you, you might have a small axe and a, and a couple fixed blade knives and a folding knife. But, but I don't see the average, I don't see the average camper, the average mountaineer, the average doing this kind of stuff. You you have you trace those roots back, and you look at somebody that's a, that's crafting bush. He's doing it because he can play with knives, or he's just I mean, a douchebag. Well, I don't know. <laughs> he's 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 buying knives. You know, I mean, I, I well, okay. You know, I I'll I give can't. You that. But they're they're, and it's not it's not the activity that makes them douchebags. It's that they wolf pack people on forums. Yeah, and like well, you know, there's only one way to do it, and you know. If you're doing it different, then we're going to fucking gang up on you. So, yeah, yeah they are fucking douchebags. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I but I do see the, um, I mean, I, I see a lot of people that are that are forming opinions that really don't know. Yeah, and, and if like you, I said, they don't even know what they don't know. That Well, that's getting back to the whole douchebag thing. And it's yeah. like, you know, the, so what he's getting at is like somebody on one of these, crappy bushcraft forums got it in their head that they're going to carry like 18 different like very specific knives and now like the whole rest of the forum like jumps on board and says me too me too me too well listen listen one of the things that you got to understand about bushcraft people bushcrafting and i'm talking about you're talking about a primitive living thing you're not talking about a survival thing talking about primitive living you're talking about Somebody that's going to stay in one spot for a long period of time. Right. Okay? So if you want to have, like, axes to make a fucking log cabin, yeah, you're going to have that shit. Because you're staying in one spot. Yeah. You're living in the in the bush. Yes, I can understand having a multiple groups of tools. But if you're car camping mm-hmm. and you think that you need all... I mean, I'm not, and I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying that if you're telling me that you need all of these things to survive your weekend... I'm, I'm going to tell you you're full of shit. Okay, so here, here's we're going to do, but, the, we're gonna do the proving ground, Jim. Here's what I want I'm, you to do. But listen. But do what, what I'm I telling, do at PWYP. Listen to me. <laughs> listen to me for a second. that I'm bringing all this shit because I want to play with it then then there's nothing wrong with that yeah it's totally I'm not telling you that I can that I need all this shit to survive and if you don't carry all this shit you're, you're not gonna survive you're gonna die you know I'm not saying or that you're I'm not saying one that of the if, cool guys <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you that if I'm bringing a box of knives to play with it, I'm bringing a box of knives to play with right I'm not telling you that you have to have this to survive or you have to have this tool to do this particular job. I'm not saying that at all. 
Right. Well, and I, mean, I, I agree. Knife nuts, knife nuts go into the woods with a lot of knives because they like knives. Right. You know, it's not that they need them. Well, they may need them because they're addicted. Well, yeah, I honestly, <laughs> but, like, but the, I mean, the whole reason I have so many knives is because I like knives. Oh, exactly. That's it. You exactly. know, like, it's like guys that are gun guys. They have every variation of the Kimber 45 or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm the same way, only it's my weird thing to obsess about yeah. is knives. And thank but, God but, that I found Balasong knives because yeah. <laughs> it's a whole new world, man. It's it's awesome. I tried to get Jim talked into <laughs> I may. doing it. Oh, man. I, it's it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, flipping these things around. Oh, I just love it. But um, anyway, his second question is, coming from Croatia now. What are some of your favorite flashlights and why? How do you stand on the whole AA versus CR123 um, battery discussion? I'll, I, I'll have you go first. All right. I'll address the CR123 and the AA. Okay. I have never had a CR123 leak out and ruin my flashlight. I have a lot of flashlights that I tested over the years that came with AA's and, and AAA batteries uh-huh. that fucking leaked. When you're not using them, and they and they um, and it ruins them. Uh-huh. Eats the, it eats the aluminum and, and it ruins them. You, and for some reason, I don't know what it is. I've never had a flashlight that got leaked on, or leaked, or the batteries leaked out of them that I was able to salvage. They all seem to get totally fucked up. I don't know what happens to them, but they don't work after that. I have never had that happen with a CR123, and I have a fair number of, of single cell 123s. I have some three cell 123s. And 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 they're I mean I've I've carried the same uh, Surefire um, I mean they didn't even have the model they came out with the model after I put one of those KR1 heads on a yeah on a, so on you're a, you're talking about the outdoorsman yeah okay. yeah they didn't even have that when I started doing this I uh-huh. mean it was it was a uh, that little one had a uh, a xenon bulb in it and then they had the KR1 head that I put on later on and and made it. What they came out with later as an outdoor uh, uh, light, and I've carried one of those for freaking ever. I mean, I don't even know what your mind that I started carrying this thing is, and I've ne- and I use it all the time. Although I did get a um, recently picked up one called a oh what the hell's the name of it? It's a uh, and, I, and I'm actually carrying it along with the other one. I mean, and how I get two flashlights in? It's called a lens uh, lens light. <clears throat> and what their what their claim to fame is? My understanding is this company makes spot follow spots, or they work with another company that makes follow spots, and so their their light is very concentrated. And for a single cell, it's extremely bright. And I tell you, I haven't even replaced the. I mean, the 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 um, uh, the life of the battery seems to be almost as long as my uh, as my Surefire. Because once again, people, when I'm trying, when I'm playing with something for the first time, I still will carry what I normally carry. Um, but so, like, I I still have my regular Surefire in my pocket. But I'm playing with this other lens light, and uh, um, you know, it's uh, it's amazing how long the batteries have lasted. But once again, it's a 123. Um, so I, I think, but they're but they're 
their follow spot technology is all in the lens. So it's a very focused, focused light. Mm-hmm. And it's adjustable, so you can you can focus it right up and you can get some pretty good distance, you know, in the in the woods at night. I mean I use it I use it around the house quite a bit at night. You know, around the outside of the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, looking into the edge of the edge of the property and stuff. And um looking for the dogs or whatever. And um You I need mean, a I've night had, scope for that for the yeah. one particular dog. Uh, what yeah, do they call that? A starlight scope? Yeah, I have one of those. What I <laughs> I tell you what I'm pretty sure we can hire someone with a starlight scope to like sit in the blind behind your house there with the silenced right uh, 308. He he had a uh, <laughs> he he went after my wallet this morning and he's been you know and he's been pretty good lately. Mm-hmm. But he ripped the shit out of my wallet this morning and I'm so was so mad at him. He bit like three of my ID cards, chewed them up. Luckily he didn't hit a credit card on the on the strip, so. He's on my shit list today, so now I got to buy a brand new wallet. And freaking Boston leather wallets are expensive. Yeah. Have you looked at a Boston leather wallet lately? No, I don't. I don't know what that is. They're um, they're handmade. They're nice, nice okay. wallets, but they're uh, expensive. Yeah. So I'm my, pissed at that. So here's my answer. Um, my favorite flashlights. I like the Surefire Outdoorsman, which uses the CR123. I like the Phoenix LD20, which uses um, two double A's, and I like the Streamlight MicroStream, which uses a single triple A. Uh, I've used all three of those lights very extensively on uh, expeditions, in mountaineering, and in real-world conditions. Uh, they're tough to beat. Um, I, I carry that Streamlight as a little backup. And I actually had to use that as a backup in Guyana um, because the in the humidity the button on my um, Phoenix LD20 failed, and that's that's a fairly common problem with that model. Um, the button eventually fails to turn it on and off, and you have to monkey with it. And Joe Flowers has had the same issue with that flashlight, but um, but I still like the light because it, for the money, it's like an awesome flashlight. Uh, I I like the Surefire a little better. I wish um, I wish it was a little more powerful for the red lens that you have on there. Um, the red lens that fits over the Outdoorsman makes real real dim light. So that'd be my only that'd be my only fault with that particular flashlight. Now as far as double A versus CR one twenty three. Um, I have never been anywhere primitive where you could buy anything but double A's. I have never seen CR123s anywhere outside of ordering them on the internet in the United States. Like, they're just not in stores. So if you're going to be depending on a flashlight in a spot where you you don't have ready access to those batteries, then you might think about double A's. Using a double A based flashlight. That's and at least until the CR 123s are available worldwide, or unless you want to carry a huge shit pot of them with you. So well, they are available worldwide. You just got to know where to go. Well, okay. So why don't you tell me how I'm going to get it when I'm a week's, actually two weeks walk into the jungle in the middle of freaking Guyana? Um, when that battery goes out. 
or when I'm on the top of uh, a mountain in Washington State and it's a blizzard and I'm at 7,500 feet. Hmm. True story. And, wh- and, and why are you there? <laughs> because I'm a dumbass. <laughs> that's okay. Why. I mean, that's the whole, that's I guess but, that's the that's well, the so, problem. So, then. but then so then that that gets to the whole bottom of the double A versus CR one twenty three and why people um, have some. Well, for one some, thing, for one thing, the one twenty threes have a shelf life of ten years. Yeah, and and you just buy a pack of them. Yeah, and, and, and throw them in your bag. I mean, right. I have a bag of them in every computer bag. I have a bag of them in. I mean, and how many do you go through? They, I mean, yeah, how long they are last you at seven thousand feet? Time. They last <laughs> a long time, but the 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 fact of the matter is, it's going to burn out. Um, it it's going to burn out when you don't want it to burn out. And then well, I, I do know, I do know with the uh, with with my Surefire, I mean, I go months. And literally, I carry it every day, and I go months without changing. Yeah, me too. I I think I changed so, the battery it just, once in mine. It goes. It go. It basically gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And even even at its time when you're going, I could change the battery right now because it's dim enough. You can still see with it. Yeah. You can still use it to see with it because you're not using it to spotlight somebody. Right. And you, we have another yeah. we have another um, question about that that we'll answer in a little bit that plays really well into that. Um, his third question is. Ultralight backpacking uh, becoming more and more popular. Personally, I think it's great. Simply less weight to carry, but some of those backpacks would shred if you gave them a mean look. Your thoughts, gentlemen? I'll go first here. Um, I am a big advocate of not carrying more weight than you need to. Um, the so. So make sure that whatever gear you're going to bring along, we've talked about this before, so I won't go yep. too far into it, but make sure whatever gear you're bringing along is durable and multi-use and make sure that you can repair it. Now, the the actual ultralight backpacks themselves do not hold up, and I have personal experience with this, they do not hold up under hard use, in, in other words, real-world conditions very well. Um if you want to spend all your time repairing the hole in your uh, ultralight backpack that you know got ripped in there when you passed by a thorn, you know by all means go do that. But <laughs> I just I just have not had great luck with with the ultralight backpacks. I think there are some choices in backpacks that aren't that aren't so ideal um, because they're just way heavier than they need to be. Um, but if you're gonna, if you're gonna carry a little bit of extra weight and you don't, you don't mind a few extra ounces, I would put those ounces probably into the durability of the pack so that it doesn't fall apart. And I've had Mm -hmm. ultralight backpacks fall apart. You've seen my expedition backpack that has holes ripped all over it. Um, you know, and, but that's, but that's hard use. That's, you know, throwing them on planes. That's them sitting in the bottom of boats. That's them sitting in snowbanks and stuff like that. But you know, if you do any kind of real-world stuff, um, you know, wear and tear. That North Face pack of mine has lasted a long time. I need a new pack eventually. But um, so that's my take on it. Um, what do you think? I have no opinion. Okay. I, I have I. I mean, the stuff that I've used and. Is, is basically stuff that's bulletproof that, you know, you have to be a little bit more manly to carry it. 
Yeah. Then, yeah. I mean, it's a little, it's a little bit heavier, and it's a little, but you're never going to rip it on a thorn. You're never going to rip it on a freaking, you know, you're not going to snag it on a helicopter door. You're not going to, sna- you know, I mean, you're not going to rip the straps off it because it's got handles built into the side when you're throwing the shit around. Yeah. Um, and so I, I tend to, I mean, I think there's definitely a, there's definitely a, a point of diminishing returns in terms of the weight of the pack and durability, and I try to go somewhat on the lighter side of that so that I still have a very durable pack, but um, not quite as heavy as some of them. Like right. there, there are, my, my packs, my packs that I use are not are not light. By any yeah. stretch of the imagination, are they lightweight? I mean, I have that uh, um, Tasmanian Tiger that I use quite a bit. I really like it a lot. Uh-huh. Um, that's been all over the place, uh, and it's and it's held up better than anything that I've ever seen before. Um, for for a three day pack, I've got the I, I still use a, 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 a Spec Ops pack, uh, and I really really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an Eagle, another Eagle three-day pack that I like that too. Um, but I t- the Spec Ops bag is is it's pretty hard to beat that. You know, I mean that that's been around all over the place, mm-hmm. and I've not ever had a problem with that. But you know, yep. I mean, you have to bring your repair kit, and and like I said, the 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 whole ultralight movement is is an interesting movement. But I I think that sometimes they they try to cut weight uh, and it ends when, up costing them in, in certain areas. I think you cut right. weight by, by carrying multi-use gear. Well, these guys are, these guys are, you know, they're peeling the labels off their cans and, and it's like, really? <laughs> well, and then, you know, they'll, they'll do things like cut, cut the toothbrush down to nothing and then drill holes into what's left. Yeah. You know, like, it's come like, on, man. Like, but yeah, whatever. Yep. Yep. Um, then our final question, and I think we should probably call it after this because we're running pretty long here, but it comes from Dan again. And just to give him a plug, you should check out on Facebook, uh, Slip Joint Addicts. Um, oh, yeah, baby. Although don't go there because it, you're really going you're really gonna to become addicted if you see the stuff that's on there. And I'm not talking about the stuff that you just buy in the store, like they're no, into like the custom slip oh, joint yeah. market and you get into some money then. Yeah. And they're beautiful. They are gorgeous. So he says, uh, to piggy, what to piggy piggyback, what on, or to piggyback on what Mr. Croatia commented on, does a higher lumen count mean a better light? Also, a coworker has a McGizmo custom light. Really nice comments on custom lights would be appreciated. So, I think we partially answered that question yeah. earlier. I don't. I don't own a custom a custom light. There's a whole uh, there's a whole group of people out there that are just into flashlights the way we are into knives. And um, you know, you can take some some of the. I mean, they do a lot of the legwork um, with with telling you how many lumens are this or how many lumens are that. And uh-huh. and uh, I. I, I you know, like I said, this this um, this lens light is the first, actually, the first little light that I've ever had that I, that actually competes with my uh, um, with my Surefire. I mean, it's the first time I've ever had one. It's, it, so it's I'm not that familiar with a lot of different lights. Um, I have a couple that I use that I that are like 
I can't live without. Um, like a like my headlights are, you know, I'm real particular about my headlights that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, you know, and those are AAA batteries too. So I, I mean, I don't want to cack on AAA batteries too much, but I, but I, all I know is that I've never had one fail in my in my headlights, but in in my pocket flashlights, I've had those fail. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know why. I, I really don't know if it's something in my blood or something that's, you know, I, I don't know why that is. But, um, but as far as the lumens go, I really believe that the that the lens in front of the LED is probably as equally as important to the the shape of the beam and the amount of light that you can get out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, aluminum is aluminum, and I, I mean that's a that's a um, a measurement of light. Uh, but I think it's what the flashlight does with the lumen that makes the difference. Uh, you know, you can take two flashlights that have the same LED in it, that have the same lumens in it, and one of them is going to get give you a better a better throw, I guess they mm-hmm. call it. Um, and I think that that has to do with the uh, lens itself. I like uh, almost always when I have a flashlight on, um, there's a red lens cover over there um because i just don't need all that much light unless you know unless you're unless you until you actually need it you know what i mean so i actually prefer a flashlight that has a low a low setting and a high setting that you can yeah jim's flashing light in the thing there but um i actually prefer a flashlight that has um two different settings and i almost always have it on low and, yeah. and if I'm using a flashlight at night, unless I'm using it specifically for sweeping ground and searching for something that I dropped or something, um, I'm going to have a red light on it anyway. So there you have it. That's that's my opinion. Um, custom and, and lights. I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten into custom lights because uh, I really shouldn't. Um, no, you can spend you can spend a lot of money on those. I know, <laughs> and the thing is, is like I'm satisfied right now with my current light options. I I do need to mention one other light that I use um, fairly extensively, and that's the uh, Surefire uh, Saint Minimus headlamp. Um, I've used that, and I've I've actually used the Surefire Saint Minimus to do um, field surgery, and um, there's pictures of me doing that actually. I've actually used the Phoenix LD20 to do the same thing. Yeah. So, um, anyway, that's a pretty pretty hefty amount of stuff for one podcast, wouldn't you say? Yeah, yeah, and we, no politics. Right, and we, well, we kind of snuck a little bit of it in there, trying. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, uh, we still have some emails and stuff to get over. We can do that next time. Yep, yep, yep. We'll, we'll we'll try to turn one out again real quick. What? How can people reach us? Um, podcast at knifejournal.com. Mm-hmm. If you want to send us an email, like us on Facebook. Um, come to the forums at uh, knifejournal.com, which I just renewed today, and um, check out uh, Kr Versteg and James Noka on Facebook friend us we'll we may or may not friend you back depends if you're like uh you know from russia or something that and you have a nice looking you're a nice looking chick from russia yeah with a with a turkish rug in the background 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably probably not going to get our, our you know attention, but um, no, seriously. But you know, the we have a lot of friends on Facebook, and we post a lot of stuff there, and and um, you can follow us on Instagram too. We have Instagram feeds, which we didn't take any Instagram. Hey, maybe I'll Instagram this right now. Uh, eventually, we should do another giveaway. Uh, yeah, and we will. Let me let me dig something up, and I'll and I'll do a giveaway next time. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll fire that up. I'm going to Instagram something right now while we're while we're talking about it. All right. Uh, well, we hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I got I got to Instagram something. Hmm. No, no, okay, no, there. no. There. I just Instagram something. All right. So, so so nobody can say. Oh, there's the token dog bark. So it's uh, time for us to go, boys. So keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper and and try not to solve problems that don't exist. <laughs> that's gonna be that's gonna be one of my new catchphrases. I think we may have pissed some people off on this podcast, but yeah, sorry. They'll get over they'll get over it. They'll yeah. get over it. Alright. Alright, talk to you soon, friend. Yep. Have fun. Yep, bye. Bye.